The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, again, I want to say welcome to you here today. My wife Amanda and I are so thrilled that you came here today and you're a part of what God's doing in our church. Today we begin a brand new series called Happy Trails, where we're going to be specifically looking at the Psalms of Ascent, and I'll be describing that today. The Psalms of Ascent you can find in the book of Psalms, Psalms 120 through Psalms 134, and we'll be opening up today in Psalms 120. So if you have a Bible or you pull out your phone and your Bible app, you can turn to 120, Psalms 120. One of the cool things that's happening today that I want to uh, mention once again, as the video said, is that today our, our iHeart registration opens, and iHeart is a five-day outreach where we basically try to reach and hit every city in Snohomish County with the love of Christ in some way, shape, or form. So basically, July 16th through the 20th, every single day, we ask adults and families to take vacation days and personal days and serve either Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You can serve all five days. You can serve one day. And it's an opportunity for the church to show the love of Christ. And so registration starts today at the hub in the lobby. But it's probably one of the biggest things as a church that we do. This is our eighth year doing, doing iHeart. And we usually have roughly about, about 25 or 27 projects. We roughly average around 300 volunteers a day. And over the course of every single year, I think we're well over probably 50,000 volunteer hours through the Grove Church in the past um, eight years. So it's a pretty cool opportunity for us as a church to be the salt and light of Christ. Uh, one of the cool things that happened this morning, and if you're part of our setup team, you would have experienced this, but this morning, as you can see, there's a basketball tournament happening uh, here at the gym that we didn't necessarily know about, but I was sitting in the lobby and this gentleman pulled up and his daughter got out and she was super tall. And I looked over to John and I'm like, John, I swear that was Brock Hewitt right there in that car. He's on 710 ESPN. He also does a podcast for Christian athletes, incredible guy, strong believer. So I'm like, dude, I swear that was him. And when we drove away, John's like, yeah, it could have been. I mean, kind of a lookalike. I'm like, no, dude, that was definitely him. He's got a look, you know? And so then he pulled back in and parked his car kind of right out here. And dude, who's the creeper? This guy right here, creeper. So I literally walked right up to his car. And like most people now, their heads are always down because they're in their phones. So his head was down. So I'm like, creeper, right? So I kind of walk up and I'm like, you know? That you, you know, like, you know, and I—it's awesome because I have this stupid microphone on, so I'm like, you, you know, and so, anyways. But he rolls down his window, totally Brock Hewitt. So he signed my chest. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't do that. But no, he's super fun, super super cool guy. I totally messed up because I was like, dude, congratulations on your uh, your Q13 thing, that gig that you just got, and he actually just got hired with Fox, not with Q13. But I'm an idiot. But all I know is. Brock Hewitt is at the gym and he's in the house. But no, it was fun to chat with him a little bit and really cool guy. But as we begin this series, I want to open up with a quick story just about Amanda and I and what happened to us this week. But one of the cool things that happens sometimes in life is that you ask God for something and you're believing God for something and you want something to happen and you're just praying and hoping that God would just make something happen. And sometimes in life, 
it happens. Like sometimes you ask God for something and you're believing for something and you're hoping and you're praying and sometimes God in his incredible grace and mercy and his awesome provision makes something happen. Well, in January, all the way back in January, my wife found out that Hillsong United was coming into town at the Showware Center in Kent, Washington. Do we have any fans of Hillsong in the building? Absolutely, yeah. So obviously, man, incredible worship leaders, Joel Houston and their their team, amazing. And so Amanda was like, babe, I want to go to that so bad. And I would love to take Lydia. Lydia is like our worshiper, man. She like worships the songs that aren't even worship. It's awesome. Every song she has her hand up. I'm like, Lydia, this song's not even about God. She's like, it's all for him. You know, it's awesome. But so she's our worshiper. And so she wanted to go to this concert. She's going to be four this month, which is crazy. And, uh, and so I'm like, she's like, babe, I just want to take Lydia so bad to this concert. I'm like, all right, babe, well, let's see, you know, let me, let me look at tickets. And one of, some, one of the most funniest things that she said to my mom recently about this concert is, is she said, I really want to go to Hillsong, Grammy, and uh, I really want to go. And my mom's like, oh, you really want to go, huh? She's like, yeah, and don't worry, my daddy's going to take care of it. <laughs> it's awesome, right? Like, she thinks I'm Mr. Moneybag. She'll learn, okay? But anyway, so... So I go look at these tickets. This is like January. Basically, by then, the tickets were already, they played this week. Basically, the tickets were already almost sold out. And the only tickets available, I'm not joking you, were about 170 a pop, okay? And so when she's like, daddy's going to take care of it, daddy's like, daddy's not taking care of it. You know what I mean? So I was like, babe, there's just no way. This is just too steep. I don't think we're going to be able to pull this off. She's like, no, I understand. So then this past week, last week, I've been checking Craigslist. I've been checking Offer Up. I've been offering to sell my own position. Possessions. No, I haven't. But I've been like looking everywhere I can, and I haven't found anybody that was selling tickets, and it was just like a, a lost cause. It wasn't, it wasn't gonna happen. I'm not joking you. Last Thursday night, right before our life group happened, my wife gets an email. Now, my wife is an alum from Canada, my good friends, Trinity Western University up in Langley, Canada. She graduated from there and uh, got her degree from there. My wife gets an email. Okay, from Trinity Western University. Now, let me back up a little bit. All throughout the past several months, January, February, March, April, my wife's just been saying, man, I just wish God would just bless us with some tickets, you know? Like, I just wish God would just tell someone to buy us tickets, you know? And some of my pastor friends have been joking, like, dude, just tell the church you need tickets, you know? I'm like, no, I'm not doing that, you know? Because, like, they've done that before and they get stuff. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. But my wife's like, I just wish God would provide. But we haven't said anything to anybody about this. My wife has just been praying. I just wish God would just bless us with tickets. Here we are last Thursday. We get this email and it says, Trinity Western University quarterly invites you to Hillsong United for complete free tickets, right? I mean, like, I'm like, this is a joke, right? Man, it's like, this is a joke, right? I'm like, I don't know. Get on there, register, register. So we register, and we got given three free tickets to this concert. Here's a picture. It was Thursday night. God just provides. It's awesome. It was a blast, okay? Now, here's what was the coolest, here's what was the coolest thing about this. First of all, the tickets were completely free. We had our own seats, and we were kind of worried because it was down in Kent. We had to, I had to get off work and then drive and traffic and all that, 405 and that craziness. And so finally, we, you know, we get into the, to where the table's at right out front, and there's a huge line around the building to get into the, to the showware center. 
Amanda's like, are you kidding me? Are these general admission? We're going to be standing the whole time. Lydia's going to be dying. I'm like, babe, I, I don't know. Let's just go to the table. So we go to the table. They're like, oh my gosh, you're a lum. You know, they treat you like you're just a million bucks. And they're like, here's your tickets. And uh, here's a gift bag for you. And they gave something to Lydia. And they're like, you see this line right here? And we're like, yeah, we see it. Like, you're VIP. You don't have to stand in this line. Like, yes, God is so good. So good. It was amazing, right? Seats and everything. It was incredible. It was awesome night. And one of the cool things about that night, if you've ever been to a worship concert, I mean, it's kind of like a, 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 a big deal now. Worship is just everywhere. But if you've ever been to a worship concert, something amazing happens when you have thousands of people worshiping and praising the name of Jesus. I mean, it's a small window, a tiny window into what it's like on a Sunday morning when we gather in a place like this and worship our Savior and Lord. But it is to a whole different level when you are surrounded by people of every race, of every color. You're surrounded with young and old, every person you could imagine, and they're just singing and praising the name of Jesus. It's seriously the most impactful thing to be a part of and it, it, there's power in it. Uh, the fancy term is corporate worship. There, there's this power when we sing anthems to our faithful king. And it's a tradition that has held itself in time for centuries. Another example of this is we just had a worship night um, at our Marysville campus. And again, you know, there's probably about 170, 180 people there just worshiping and singing together. And it's it was a powerful time where people could lay down their burdens and cast their cares on Christ. And it was, it was amazing. And God, God loves the sound of his people worshiping. And see, and sometimes even worship songs when we sing is sometimes they're the only words that we can utter because of the pain or the grief or the situation that we're facing. And so sometimes we can sing songs and, and worship to music and to melody in ways that we can't necessarily verbally talk about something that we're, we're going through. They're, they're really things that come from deep within our hearts. See, the reality, though, is that the problem can be that when we understand corporate worship, we may not always treat it like this. See, sometimes we forget to appreciate the wonder, the joy, the freedom, the meaning of corporate worship and how powerful it is. I mean, if we're, if we're honest in the room, I mean, sometimes we walk into a room like this and no rebuke or correction to anybody, but sometimes we just walk in the room like this and we're just, we're just not feeling it. You know, whether it be circumstances from this week or I don't know, we slept bad or something we ate last night, is, you know, whatever it is, or it could be a spiritual thing where we're just feeling heavy or feeling kind of funky or feeling kind of out of it. Or maybe the weather really dictates our mood. So today's a beautiful day. So we walked in cheery and happy and we got a little bit more ump to our step, you know, but if it's raining, we're like, I see move mountains, singing this song again. I'm going to kill you, Kyle. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, but we just feel like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we just kind of feel that, like, angst in us. But, but it should be something that we appreciate. It, it should be something that shouldn't lose its meaning when we come together and we sing songs before God and we worship him. And there's times where we sing, you know, melodies like I'll do it again. I'll see you move out. You do, you'll do it again. And we know that and we sing it and the words are on the screen. And then there's times where the screen is black and Kyle challenges us just to sing a new song to God and sing out of our own hearts. And some of us are like, 
I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now, but I'm doing it, and this is weird. And other, and other of us who are experienced are like, Jesus, oh, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter kind of where we come to that stage in the song where it's just our time to worship our Lord, but it should, it should be something that we really admire and appreciate. As we begin a series like Happy Trails, and we get into the book of Psalms, today I'm going to just unload on you really the whole book in terms of what it is, how it's laid out, some background to really appreciate this book. 150 Psalms, and that's what these are. They are songs of sacred writings written by many different authors. They're they're poems. They're written in, in poetic form. That's why they're broken the way that they're broken up. And they're, writ- they're known in the Bible as wisdom literature, and they, they really do demand our attention and response. When we look at the book of Psalms, unlike any other book in the Bible, we look at ways that a writer and an author was talking about real-life emotions, real-life feelings, things that they were facing that were good, bad, and ugly. And there's times where you'll read one psalm, and it'll be like, I praise you, God, for you're awesome and you're mighty. And then the next psalm will say, where are you and kill my enemies? I mean, it's just, it really has this like array of emotions that describes what I really believe is human life. Where you wake up on a Thursday and you're like, I want to kill somebody. And then you wake up on a Friday, you're like, oh, there's peace in the world. Like that's what the Psalms is and everything in between. The highest of joys and the lowest of lows. And it really is a beautiful book of poetry and song. As we get into this some more, let me just give you some background. If you were taking a college class or you were going to take a class on Psalms, maybe they would describe some of these things to you. But I think these will be very important. Before we read Psalms 120, it will be very important to understand sort of what what we're getting into here in this series. So the book of Psalms is broken up in five different books, just like the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. And like I said, there are poems songs written in wisdom literature, and each book ends with a doxology, basically just an anthem of praise, with Psalms 150 ending the entire book as kind of the biggest anthem of all. Book one is Psalms 1 through 41. Psalms 1 through 2, they do not have titles that attribute authorship, but they provide an introduction to Psalm. And then the remaining first book is made up entirely of the Psalms of David. If you remember, King David in Samuel becomes king of Israel. And one of the things that he's known for is a man after God's own heart. And why is that? Well, it's because he worships and he prays to God and he writes songs and he dances before the Lord. This is what David was known for. He was known as a worshiper, the worshipful king that he was known for of Israel. Book two, Psalms 42 through 72. There are more Psalms from David here. And most of these here are lament prayers and songs. And they dominate the content of these prayers. And I'll get into that, what, what that means here in a minute. Book three, Psalms 73 through 89. This, the tone darkens in these Psalms. The opening of Psalm 73 starkly questions the justice of God before seeing light in God's presence. A couple more books here. Psalms 4 starts in 90, goes through 106. Psalms 90 opens the fourth book of Psalms, and it may be seen as the first response to the problem raised by the third book. 
Psalms 90 is attributed to Moses. It reminds the worshiper that God was active on Israel's behalf long before David. Lastly, book five, which is where we're going to be in the series in the Psalms of Ascent. This is where we find the Psalms of Ascent and more worshipful type Psalms. So they're Psalms 150, all 150 Psalms broken up into five different books. If you didn't catch all that, obviously you can Google it and see how they're broken down. But within the 150 Psalms now, there are several different categories. Okay, there are what we call laments whose primary function is to lay a troubled situation before the Lord asking him for help. A great example of this is Psalms 12. And just so you know, laments in Psalms are by far the greatest category of the Psalms. They cover basically one third of the Psalms. So if you think about just life for a minute, this is where, we, this is where the writer and the author would lay a troubled situation before the Lord asking him for help. And if you think in just the book of Psalms, one third of it is asking the Lord for help. You can just relate and understand like it's okay to ask the Lord for help because this book of Psalms is primarily this. There's also hymns of praise. This is another category. This is a goal to call and enable God's people to admire God's great attribute and deeds. An example of this would be Psalms 145. There's hymns of thanksgiving which thank God for his answer to a petition. There are hymns celebrating God's law, which speaks of the wonders of the Torah, the law of Moses, and how worshipers aspire to obey it more fully. Psalms 119 is an example of that. There are wisdom psalms, which take themes from the wisdom books of Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Psalms 37 is a great example of a wisdom psalm. I know I'm going fast here because I got a lot of content today. There's the songs of confidence, which enables worshipers to deepen their trust in God through all means of difficult circumstances. Psalms 23 is very much like that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We all know that one pretty well. The rural psalms, which are concerned with David's monarch as the vehicle of blessing for the people of God. Lastly, there are historical psalms which deal with the history of, people, of the people of Israel. There's also prophetic hymns that deal with the future and what could happen when Christ returns. Which now leads to the purpose of this series that we're looking to the book of Psalms, but we're specifically identifying the Psalms of Ascent or Ascents. These are found in Psalms 120 through 134. These 14 psalms, the psalms of ascent. And there's no doubt about its meaning. It means to ascend, to ascend. It means to go up, to ascend, to rise. Thus, the most literal way to translate this word ascent is a song of going up. Now, there are many reasons or thoughts on exactly what this means. Calvin claimed that these were psalms that were sung on a higher key with musical notes rising in succession. Others have suggested that these songs move onward towards a climax, each song building upon another. Others say that they were traveling songs of those returning from exile. Others have suggested that these were songs ascending 
the steps, the 15 steps from the court of women to the court of men back in the temple days. But probably the best suggestion of these Psalms of Ascent, what this means, it probably is best suggested that they were traveling songs of those journeying to Jerusalem for worship at the three great feasts. This is the view of majority of commentators today. So again, think hiking, think the video and walking as the people of God made their way to Jerusalem for the celebration of feast. And I know I'm giving you a lot of background and it's like blah, 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 okay? And I get it, all right? I understand that I'm a Bible nerd and you're not, okay? But I want to try to give you the whole picture so I can kind of bring us to Psalms 120. Again, I want you to really understand and view what what we're talking about here in this series because we're going to be in this series for a good chunk of time here at the church. So we got this hiking as the people of God are walking. Okay, now think about this. Three different feasts here that the people of Israel would return to Jerusalem to celebrate. This is in Exodus 23, 14. Three times in a year you shall keep a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread as I command you. You shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in it you come out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty-handed. You shall keep the feast of harvest, another feast of the first fruits of your labor of what you sow in the field. Last one, you shall keep the feast of gathering at the end of the year when you gather in from the fruit of your labor. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God. So the people of God would travel for miles on difficult terrain and they would worship to these songs and hymns. Think about a bonfire where you gather and maybe there's just a guitar or think about you know, acapella groups or groups like that sing, think this, this kind of idea. If you remember, Dr. Luke recorded this with Jesus's parents. In chapter two, catch this, it says, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. Speaking of Jesus, Now his parents went to Jerusalem. There we go. Went, they traveled, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover, one of these feasts. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. Further, it says, and when the feast was ended and they were returning, leaving Jerusalem, going back home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey But then they began to search for him among their relatives and their acquaintances. Come on, everyone say bad parents. Everyone say you lost Jesus. Okay, all right. When we read something like this, it's it's hilarious. We think, dude, if they lose Jesus, I can lose my kid. There's hope for me, right? Like, it's awesome. Like, these are Jesus' parents, and they lose him. And you think, dude, how do you lose baby Jesus or 12-year-old Jesus? Like, the most responsible thing you could do is take care of your kid. How do you lose Jesus? But think about this. This was not one family, little family unit, like my family's a family of four. No, 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 no. Think thousands of people all in a caravan with camels and donkeys and all the food and animals and people. And here's what people would happen, just like at any family reunion. You know, your auntie's taking care of, you know, your kids and you're taking, and everyone's keeping an eye on each other's kids. And so Mary and Joseph, all they think is just that Jesus is probably hanging out with one of his cousins or him and John the Baptist are smacking each other in the back of the head. And all of a sudden they start looking through the crowd and they're like, no, Jesus, 
You see what I'm saying? So, so don't, don't think they're bad parents. It was just that they lost their kid for a day, okay? Or, or for your encouragement today, think they're terrible parents and they lost Jesus for a day. However you want to look, in, look to that. But we can see this, this traveling and this importance of people, the people of God returning to Jerusalem, God's holy city, and remembering what God did through these feasts. And as they would travel, they would sing and worship God together. You guys catching this? I mean, you got the backpacks and the little water thing that comes out of the backpack. Like, think that. All right? For those of you who are like, you know, avid hikers, think like the hiking, you know, pole and both poles and, you know, the cool shoes, like all that. So the people of God are, are going up to Jerusalem. They're going up to the high place of where the city is. They're going up. And as they go up, they're singing, which brings us to Psalms 120 and verse 1. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? O warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Let's pray for God's word today. Lord, I thank you for the power of song, the power of poetry, the power of corporate worship, where we gather God together as your people and we worship and praise the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for this imagery of going up, of going up in a group, that there was no one alone worshiping, that they had to be together to worship you. I thank you, God, that your word is alive and it's speaking to us. And I pray today we also would go up, we also would rise, we also would ascend and lift our eyes up to you and recognize who you are and all that you've done. It's in your name we pray, amen. It says in Psalms 120, verse one, it says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. The people of God are singing a very powerful statement about the very character and nature of our God. That when I am in distress, I call to the Lord and he answers me. He answers me. That when I am broken and when I'm hurting, that when I'm lost and when I'm crying out, when I'm at the end of my rope and life does not feel like a sunny day and it doesn't feel like the wind in my back and it feels like the pouring down rain and it feels like the way of the world is upon me and it feels like I can't breathe and it feels like I'm drowning and it feels like I'm overwhelmed and it feels like I will never survive this and it feels dark and awful and evil and no way out and it feels like the world is crashing down on me that in my distressed, I called to the Lord Almighty and he answered me. It's a powerful thing to think about, about our Heavenly Father. And if it was the people of God, it was 
them singing this statement together. That we serve an amazing God who hears and responds to the deepest cries of our hearts. Think, think of Psalms 56, 8, just for a minute to put it really in your heart. You keep track, look at this, you keep count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle, are they not in your book? Let's just leave that up there for a minute. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle, are they not in your book? What? Like, are you telling me right now that there's the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth? That like when I get weepy over Downton Abbey that he's, okay, no, but right, like this is the kind of God we serve. That every tear that drips down the cheeks of my face, that he's putting them in a bottle and that my name's gonna be on it and they're in your book? I mean, is God really telling me that in my distress you answer me, but you don't just answer me, but you keep track of everything that will happen, that has happened in my life? God, God, are you really saying to us today that when my dad passed away and I cried so many tears of grief and loss, of missing and longing to hear his voice, that you put that in a bottle and you recorded it in your book? God, you, you, you mean that when I was diagnosed with that cancer, and I was given that diagnosis and it felt like all was lost and there was tears streaming down my face and I had to think about how to say goodbye to my loved ones and my friends, that God, you keep record of all of those tears in your book? Are you telling me the, the miscarriage and the job loss and the hurt and the car accident and that terrible Christmas and that terrible relationship, and that awful divorce, and that foreclosure on that home, and this, and this, and all the tossings that I feel, you caught every tear, and you put them in a bottle, and you kept them in your book. Man, that's so awesome to think about. That's just so amazing to think about. That in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. I mean, that's just verse one. Like, I'm, I'm good for today, guys. Like, let's go ahead and pray. Like, I, I'll sit on that one all week. It goes on to say, deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips from a deceitful tongue, what shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior, sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. See, if this was the people of God singing as they were on their way, they would be singing something like this. If you lie, you're gonna die. <laughs> That's basically what they were singing. Like, if you lie, you're gonna die. I wrote it all for you today. It's a little song I wrote. If you lie, you're going to die. This is what's happening here. The people of God are talking about this very problem. 
That, that this writer is saying that he's living with people. In a moment, we're going to learn that he's not with the people of God, but he's, he's been put away from them, and they're lying and they're dishonest. And he wants to be pulled away from them, and he wants them to be destroyed with the witch's broom. Okay, not with the witch's broom. It was just a, a, a type of tree that made strong arrows. But what he's saying is that, man, I want to get away from these people who are saying yes, but they mean no, or they're saying no, but they mean yes. It's the reminder for you and I today. It's not that if you lie, you're going to die, but to take inventory of what's coming out of your mouth and is your yes, yes, and is your no, no, and can you go to bed at night knowing that you are being an honest person about what you're saying and what you're doing. I always love thinking about when an officer pulls you over. I got you going 47 in the 35. No, you didn't. I was going 45. I mean, whatever. It's like, you know what? Were you really going 47? You know. Is your yes, yes, and your no, no, is what you say truthful and honest. It's this understanding of honesty and realness here. He says, goes on here, woe to me that I sojourn in Mishek, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. See, at this time, before they travel up to Jerusalem, the people of God are dispersed in Gentile lands like these two towns, and there is no peace. There's war, and there's chaos. And the reason why there's war and chaos is because God's word is not being present there. And where God's word is not being preached or seen, there is no peace. See, the ideal Israelite exiled away from his people is for peace and he's called to seek it for the city in which he's exiled. Jeremiah 29.7 says this, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in it, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is the peace, the peace that we translate in the Hebrew shalom, and it means the welfare. It means to seek the peace of all people. And here's what they're singing. The people of God are singing as they, as they ascend to Jerusalem. They're singing that no matter where I live or who I'm with, that I'm going to seek the welfare of all. That no matter where I live or who I'm with, I'm going to seek the welfare of all. I'm going to be a peacemaker, as Jesus said. I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to be God's word being preached through my life wherever I go and whatever I do because I'm called to bring peace to the welfare of wherever I live. So just in this simple psalm, in just this simple seven verses, what do we learn? We learned that in our distress, he, he answers when we call to him. We, we learn that we need to be honest and genuine people, letting our yes and yes be yes and our no be no. 
And lastly, we learned that we are the very presence of God living through our lives and wherever I live or wherever I work and whatever I do, I'm called to seek the welfare or the benefit of all people in that time and space. And these are powerful, powerful things to think about today. Where is there chaos in my life, in my neighborhood? We just got done with a series on reaching and caring for our neighbors? Where in my life is there chaos? Where in my life is there concern? Where in my life is there hopelessness? Where in my life is there pain? Where around me, where do I see there being God's light and love and grace needing to be shined into? And I want to go there and seek the welfare and the benefit of people in that day, in that place, in that workplace, in that neighborhood in my family, in my life. I want to give you three things here today as we come to a close on on a series and a message like this here today. Number one, I'm just going to encourage you, first of all, to read through these Psalms. Read the Psalms of Ascent. You got one, I mean, they're very short. 120 through 134, and you'll notice every single song starts with a song of ascent, a song of ascent. I'm gonna ask you to read them. Maybe for you, the way that you learn or memorize scripture, maybe you need to take out some index cards and maybe write. I think the one I wanna write this week personally for me is this first one, that in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. I like putting in my own words, like in my distress, I called the Lord and he was silent. It's not what it says. In my distress, I called the Lord and he answered me. For me, if I'm making a card, I'm like, underline that word answer several times. Yellow highlighter, circle, smiley face, emoji. Like, right? Like, I want to meditate on the word of God and let it kind of ooze out of my life. Maybe for you, you need to take a hike and record, get this on recording, the the verses, and listen to these verses as you go on a trail somewhere, hike somewhere, and you listen to the Bible being spoken over you, and you listen to the words that these songs and these people were singing. And maybe that can help you kind of picture what it was like to be them and traveling. What was it like to sing songs of this, and what kind of choruses did they sing, and what kind of melodies were there, and all of that stuff. Maybe you need to write your own songs or your own poetry or your own words through inspiration of these psalms. Maybe that would be helpful to help you learn and and really put yourself back with the people of Israel traveling to Jerusalem. Number two here today, I want to encourage you just to cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, do this very thing. There's just this amazing thing about our lives to where when we learn about the Psalms are mostly laments, crying out to God in trouble, needing him to respond. That's just such an encouragement to you and I today that there's just times in our lives where we just don't feel it. There's just times in our lives where things just feel like out of control. And what God, what God would remind you and I today is, man, I just want to hear from you. I want to know all your burdens. I want to know all your cares. I want to know all your troubles. 
Why? Because I care for you. I want to know you. I love you. I care deeply for your heart and your soul. And lastly, I touched on this already, but no matter where you live or who you're with, seek the welfare of all. Where there's conflict, you be the very presence of shalom, the very presence of peace to that family, coworker, friend, neighbor. You be the bridge to welfare that someone needs. Someone once said, the only Jesus someone would ever see may be the six foot person standing in front of them. Or if you're short, the 5'2 person standing in front of them. Or if you're really short, the 4'11 person standing in front of them. But you being that very presence to those around us. As the worship team makes their way up, I want to close with a little homework for you among the th- three things I gave you. But as you know, we went to the, this concert on a Thursday night. We just had a blast. Lydia dancing, singing, going crazy. It was nuts. And uh, we got home at like midnight. It was crazy. But one of the things that I noticed in the album as we were listening to the album on repeat and preparing this message and this song came on and as the song came on, I was like, this says a song of ascent. And one of the, one of the songs on the new album of Hillsong, it's called People. The song is called Highlands, Song of Ascent. I want to I read to you just um, the chorus. But, you know, if you've got Spotify or iTunes or Amazon, whatever you got, I want to encourage you just to download this People album or download this song. But in, the, um, in this incredible, incredible album is this song called The Highlands, The Song of Ascent. I just want to read to you the chorus. It says, So I will praise you on the mountain. And I will praise you when the mountain's in my way. You're the summit where my feet are. So I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is. In the highlands and the heartache all the same. One more time for you. So I will praise you on the mountain, and I will praise you when the mountain's in my way. You're the summit where my feet are, so I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows, no less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is, in the highlands and the heartache, all the same. God, today, I thank you and praise you, Lord, that there is power in corporate worship and there is power when we sing praises to a living God. I thank you, God, that in my distress, that in my heartache, that in my pain, I can call on you and you answer me. I thank you, Jesus, that right now in this room, there are people here, God, who just need to call on you and you will answer them. They can just cast their cares upon you for you care for them. And I thank you, God, that we will praise you on the mountain and we will praise you when the mountains are in the way. 
Our praise will not be determined by our circumstances. Our praise and our worship will be determined by the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we thank you and praise you for it. In your good name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.